0: Welcome to Episode 5 of the Non-Anxious Leader Podcast. I'm Jack Shatama, and today our topic is Procrastinating Smartly and Moving Quickly. Agile is an approach to project management. That is agile management, agile development. It's an approach to project management and software development that delivers work in small increments. So the requirements, the plans, the results are developed in just small bits, small pieces, and evaluated continuously. One of the benefits of agile management is it allows you to iterate quickly. So you you do a small part of a project, you see how it works, and then you can improve it, develop it, advance it. One of the concepts in agile is called the last responsible moment. And the last responsible moment is when the cost of delaying a decision surpasses the benefit of delaying or when failing to make a decision eliminates an important alternative and I became interested in this topic when I heard somebody say that they like to procrastinate making a decision till the last responsible moment and I love this idea this idea that We don't want to make decisions too early because often if we make decisions too early, there's a cost because we may not have all the information and we actually have to do it over. So waiting to make a decision till the last responsible moment actually is being responsible. And of course, when we go beyond the last responsible moment, it is being irresponsible. The problem is we don't know when that last responsible moment is until it's already passed and then it's too late, of course. But I do think this is a very helpful concept because it enables us to be patient, to be willing to procrastinate and put off a decision until we really need to go. One of the benefits of waiting to the last responsible moment is that it enables us to make decisions in conditions of less uncertainty. Now, that doesn't always happen, but in many cases, the closer we get to the last responsible moment, the more information we have and the more certainty we might have about a particular course of action. More importantly, procrastinating to the last responsible moment enables us to allow time for ideas to incubate in the subconscious. Adam Grant is a professor of psychology at the Wharton School of Business and an author of several books. And he says that people who don't procrastinate, people who do things right away, tend to rush ahead with their first ideas which are usually the most conventional and the least creative and people who rush ahead and don't procrastinate also think in very structured linear ways. Whereas people who maybe think about it but don't actually do it, people who procrastinate allow their brain to incubate ideas and this is much more likely to result in divergent thinking and boosted creativity. Interestingly, in 2009, a student came to Grant, a student at the School of Business, and said that he and three friends were working on a business to disrupt an industry by selling products online. They asked Grant if he wanted to invest, and he kind of watched them, and and six months went by, and the day before the company launched, they still didn't have a functioning website. And so Grant decided not to invest. Now that company turned out to be Warby Parker, which sells fashionable glasses online for $95, disrupting the eyeglass industry. And more importantly, it lets people try them on at home. It actually, you can actually get five pairs of frames for free to try on at home, and then you can pick one or any of those to actually purchase. It turns out that that launch was successful. In fact, they hit their first-year sales target in just three weeks, and they sold out their inventory and had a wait list of 20,000 people in those first few weeks. Uh, That was way back in 2011, and now that company is valued at $1 billion. So the lesson here is that by waiting till the last responsible moment, we give ourselves every opportunity to take advantage of changing conditions, new information, creative thinking that goes on in our subconscious and conversations that we might have with colleagues. This is an important concept because by waiting till the last responsible moment, we give ourselves the best chance for success. Another agile concept is the minimum viable product or the MVP and the minimum viable product is something that has enough features to satisfy early customers who can in turn provide feedback for future product development. A great example of a minimum viable product is the company Zappos which was founded by Neil Swinmurn in 1999. Now he was frustrated because he couldn't find a pair of shoes he wanted at the local mall and he came up with the idea of selling shoes online. The way he tested his idea before investing in a large amount of inventory, which would have been a large cash expense, was he went to the mall, that same mall presumably that he couldn't find shoes that he liked, and he took pictures of shoes in shoe stores. Then he posted them for sale on his own website. When a customer would order, he would go back to the mall, go buy the shoes, and then ship them to the customer. Now, of course, he was losing money on this MVP, this minimum viable product, but he was learning that the concept worked. So he was testing the concept and he was also learning about customer preferences, about which styles sold best. So that's how Zappos started in 1999. And I think, as you know, it became a huge success, not just because of the company, but also because of its focus on customer service. In fact, it got so successful that in 2009, after an unsuccessful attempt to compete with Zappos, Amazon purchased Zappos for $1.2 billion. The idea of the minimum viable product is that you are willing to try out something before it is perfected. In fact, Reed Hoffman, co-founder of LinkedIn said, if you're not embarrassed by your first product, then you launched too late. One example I can think of is our residency and ministry program at uh, the ministry that I serve, the camp and retreat ministry that I serve. Back in 2015, we made a proposal to actually take over the training for clergy on their way to ordination and that we would do it with a series of six retreats over two years. Now we had a pretty good idea of what we wanted to do. We felt like we could really invest in developing effective clergy leaders. We certainly knew that family systems was going to be a big part of it. We wanted to develop collegiality. We wanted to emphasize the practice of spiritual disciplines and emphasize self-care. But of course, we, we were testing it out. We weren't exactly sure how it would all work out. And we've made adjustments, adding more experiential learning, such as the use of our challenge course and canoeing and kayaking on the river, doing yoga, and we've gotten more feedback recently, and we're going to increase the amount of work that we do in the areas of finance and administration for clergy. But it all started with this idea that we would go with what we had, even though it wasn't perfected, and we would make it better over time. That's the idea of the minimum viable product. And this leads to a related concept, which is the minimum viable Audience. The Minimum Viable Audience is the smallest number of people that can make your effort worthwhile. So in the business world, it's the smallest market that can actually sustain your business. And it is based on the principle that rather than trying to please everybody, you please a very specific segment of the population. In fact, when uh, I was writing my first book, I, I came across a concept which was very helpful, which is if you write for everybody, you write for nobody. So pick an audience and write for that audience. The minimum viable audience or the minimum viable market segment is very similar. Yeah, you're looking for a specific Segment of the population that has something in common that has a similar need and then you want to respond to that. A great example in the business world is Airbnb, which has revolutionized the lodging industry by using private homes as a way for people to get low cost lodging when they are traveling. Airbnb focused on getting 100 people who loved what they had to offer. As Brian Chesky, the founder and CEO says, quote, it was better to have 100 people who loved us versus 1 million people who liked us. All movements grow this way. There was no way we could get 1 million people on Airbnb, but we could get 100 people to love us. So the idea of the smallest viable audience, the minimum viable audience, is to focus on doing your best possible work for a very targeted group of people. So as a leader, if you are starting a new program or a ministry initiative or a public service, here are some questions to ask. What is the smallest viable audience that I can serve? Who are the people that I'm trying to serve? What are they like? What do they have in common? What can I offer to meet a very specific need? As author Seth Godin says, you don't find customers for your products, you find products for your customers. So if we work backward in this podcast, the way to start is to think about a minimum viable audience. Think about what group of people can you target specifically to develop something that would meet their needs, to make a difference in their lives. Then you want to think about what is the minimum viable product that you can design to meet that need, to actually um, help them to deal with something uh, that they are trying to handle in their lives. And then finally, test out that idea, test out that MVP, advertise it, get people to sign up, and procrastinate development on it until the last responsible moment make sure that you're getting the feedback you need to make it the best product possible and don't rush on that make it a minimum viable product wait to the last responsible moment then get feedback then iterate then improve and over time you will make a difference in the world i know these concepts seem like they come out of the high-tech business world But I think they can be very helpful for leaders of congregations and nonprofit organizations who are trying to make an impact and make a difference in the lives of the people they serve. So that's it for this episode. If you have any questions, you want to contact me, please check out thenonanxiousleader.com. And you can leave a comment or find the show notes for this episode at thenonanxiousleader.com forward slash five. That is the number five. So until next time, thanks and goodbye. Thank you for listening. If you found this episode helpful, there are two things you can do to help others find this podcast. First, tap the subscribe button on your podcast app. And second, leave a review. I appreciate your help. Finally, you can find more resources as well as subscribe to my blog at the non Now, go be yourself.